0: from that standpoint but last week um, we saw or I saw that God has delegated some of his sovereignty to you and to me without getting rid of his own sovereignty he didn't say here I delegate it meaning that he has less sovereignty that's not the case at all he's allowed us to participate in in some some respects sovereign decisions Lord, you and I get to decide yes to this and no to this or yes to that thing and no to this thing. He's given us the sovereignty of choice. And I think we overuse this term and probably don't fully understand this term. Do we have free will? Yes, we have free will, but it's trumped by God's sovereignty. Thank goodness for that. Thank goodness that we make choices sometimes, terrible choices horrible choices but god comes in and he says you know what you made a bad choice but i'm going to go ahead and almost make it as if you didn't make that bad choice it's amazing how god works so i thank god for free will and the, the 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 sovereignty of choice but what has not happened is god has not predetermined our outcomes We're going to talk about there's some things god has predetermined lorraine brought up some great question or a great question on wednesday that quite frankly helped me clarify some of some of my own thought processes that what that's what questions do um in in um in kind of the teen sunday school class we're studying religions and we studied uh the cult i'm not going to call it a religion the cult of jehovah's witness uh have done the last two two sundays And they're absolutely told, don't think for yourself. In that cult, if you start thinking for yourself or questioning the teachings, you're going to get in a world of hurt with that that group of people. I won't call them believers, group of people. I tell you, think for yourself. (laughs) Think for yourself, not independent of God, but with God god wants you to have an open mind to him and to see things for how they are you know think for yourself god wants you to do to do that but my point here and what we were talking about last sunday is god has not predetermined your outcomes he's predetermined a lot of things but one of those things is not your outcome that has been delegated to you and you alone you choose where you're going to end up at And he wants to influence you and help you and guide you and guard you. But at the end of the day, I'm responsible for me. You're responsible for you. And we need to make the right choices in life so we can have the right outcomes. This predeterminism that we call it of thinking that everything is already predetermined for us and we have no input, no say is also called fatalism. And we talked a little bit about that last Sunday where whatever happens will happen. That is just not true. If I pray I take chance and leave it up to God if I don't pray I leave it up to whatever is going to happen and that can be a very bad outcome that I can influence that I can actually uh, Cause not to happen. So anyways as we look here We can begin to see in Genesis how God intended to use his sovereignty in our day-to-day lives And so we'll start here in Genesis 2 verse 8 and we'll be following through most of Genesis 2 today And it says here that the Lord God planted a garden in the east of Eden And there listen to this he put man the man that he had formed He took Adam and said you're gonna live here (laughs) You're gonna stay here you're gonna work here And many of us look at our lives uh, And say you know why did I end up where I ended up at You know what God placed you there (laughs) as miserable as a place as that might have been he put you there you know and sometimes we we pluck ourselves out of god's will and we go to places we shouldn't but where you were born can you help that <laughs> no you had no choice in that god's sovereignty of placing us where we're at for the most part we can look at the place where we're at and say you know what i'm here god's put me here and until god moves me i'm gonna stay here and I'm going to tell you that I'm going to be I'm going to get on on a soapbox a little bit. If God's placed you in a church, stay in that church. Just stay there. Right, is this church perfect? Absolutely not. But just stay here until if God moves you to another church, well so be it. But don't let an offense or hard feelings or or something else say i'm not going to go to church anymore stay where god has placed you and so god sovereignly put adam right smack in the middle of that garden and the lord had made all kinds of trees grow up from the ground in this garden trees that were pleasing to the eye good for food and in the middle of the garden we're going to talk about this too was the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and we look in in verse 15 God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden. Adam had absolutely no say in the decision. Here is God's sovereignty at work putting Adam where he was supposed to be. Predetermined where he was supposed to be. Now Adam could have walked out of the garden. Adam got kicked out of the garden. (laughs) But... That's where God intended for him to be. And he gave him a very strong purpose. He put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. Listen to this. God has predetermined your purpose in life. He has. He picked your purpose in life. You might call it a calling. You might call it a destiny. You might call it a giftedness. But at the end of the day, God is... Has determined your purpose in your life. And he determined it before you were born. That's why I can say he predetermined it. He picked it for you. And here's the good news you will be the happiest person in the whole wide world when you do what God has called you to do. There is no higher, more fun, more adventurous, more exciting thing than to do the thing that you were created to do. Oh, I love discovering what God called me to do and it's like it's like you turn a page you think oh I got it figured out here's my purpose in life no a page turns and it just becomes richer and more wonderful and more fulfilling and more satisfying the purpose of God for our lives it's absolutely wonderful and he doesn't just stop there he gives you gifts to help you fulfill your calling. And those gifts are clues that show us what that purpose is in life. Oh, there's it's so much fun to do what God has called us to do. Now I'm going to read you a couple of verses. I know some of these I've read before, but that's the thing about the Bible. You read it with a new lens, a new context, a new view, and then it's like all new again. And so, I, forgive me for doing this, but Jeremiah is such a wonderful example. And 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 I think it was Lorraine that brought this verse up, and I read it again after she talked about it on Wednesday night. I was like, Yeah, it's predetermined, predetermined purpose. Look at this. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah and he said, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And and this is what's so rich about Wednesday nights. I'm sorry I'm not trying to make a commercial here, but Joe was pointing out to the fact that God pre-knows, He foreknows what we're going to do, what we're going to be like, if we're going to accept God or not accept God, if we're going to turn to God or not turn to God. Now, His foreknowledge of us doesn't mean that He made it happen. He just knew that it was going to happen. And therefore, He just loads us up with blessings and predestination because He foreknows what our decisions are going to be, what our choices are going to be. And so here we see Jeremiah was foreknown by God. Before you were born, I set you apart. Now, you might say, well, he set us apart. We had no choice in the matter. No, 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 absolutely not. Samson was appointed by God and made a lot of poor choices and God still used Samson just like he uses you and me when we are half-hearted about things or complacent about things. But <clears throat> here he sets Jeremiah apart. He says, I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah 1.4, I'm sorry. Jeremiah 1.4, you. you just stop me if I'm, if I'm not making sense, you stop me. I'm totally fine with that. <clears throat> Listen to this. So that's one example. Then I was just thinking of another example that maybe we haven't talked about too much, and that's the Apostle Paul. We have talked about him some, but here in Acts 9, you get a piece of the story, a big piece of the story in Acts 9, but you get another piece of the story in Acts 26 when Paul is telling his, giving his testimony. Um, <clears throat> I think it was to King Agrippa. I'm not 100% sure, but it's in Acts 26. But let's read Acts 9 first. In verse 4, here's Paul's account. He's walking on his way to Damascus. Actually, he may have been on a horse. He may have been walking one way or another. He falls to the ground, and he hears a voice from heaven saying, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul asks a really good question as he's laying there on the ground, (laughs) blinded. He says, who are you? (laughs) Who are you, Lord? Uh, Saul asks, the, the voice answers, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now get up. Listen to the sovereign word of God. <laughs> now get up. Now when God knocks us down, which he does sometimes, he, he follows that and says, get up stop wallowing around in the mud and your depression and and oh it's not working out for me and this isn't what i plan get up he says he says go into the city and listen to this you will be told what you must do now there's some sovereign wording in there there's some umph behind that and i think god's telling us this morning to some of us get up stop it already stop feeling sorry for yourself stop the pity party get up in the name of Jesus amen I really believe that's a word for some of us today get up and get out get going he says I'm gonna tell you what you're gonna do I am gonna give you purpose I'm gonna reveal your purpose my purpose for you right here right now in Acts 26 Paul is explaining this story in a little bit more detail And he said, um, the answer came back, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting, now get up, there it is, stand on your feet. (laughs) He says, not only get up, but stand up and stay standing, stop falling down, stop falling down, get up, stand up. He says, I've appeared to you to appoint you, he's telling Paul this, I'm going to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you, what you have seen and what you will see. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them. Listen to this, here's some purpose for you. To open, this is Acts 26, verse 18. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. Boy, that's some serious purpose. Predetermined purpose that God had for Saul. Just the same way, God has purpose for each and every one of us. Predetermined. And he's given us clues. He's given us gifts. He's given us urges in our hearts sometimes. You, You see somebody, here's one that gets me. When I see somebody battling in their mind with schizophrenia or mental illness or depression or what. That gets my blood, pump, my heart pumping and my blood flowing. I want to see people like that freed up. Amen. There is no reason why a human being should go through their their life with this mental torture, this mental battle. So that's that's part of me. That's that's a clue to me of what God wants me to do. I want to see people set free. I want to see people set free. You have your deal as well. I'll never forget a lady standing up in a different church and saying. She had taken some food to somebody who was, who was needy. And, and as they were thanking her for this food that they brought, she just sensed that there's so many people who are hungry. And that hunger gripped her heart. And she wanted to do something about feeding, physically feeding hungry people. That might be a clue. Who knows what it is? Who knows what your clues are? But let me tell you what, God has a purpose for your life. You were born for a reason to fulfill, and it's far more than this cursed American dream. What's the American dream? Get a job that you hate, (laughs) making money, and then get stuck doing that the rest of your life. That's no American dream, not at all. God has purpose for your life so he's pre- predetermined that purpose and then joe oh man i wish everybody could have been here wednesday night i i got so much out of wednesday night i can't even begin to tell you. i came out of wednesday night just like full and the next morning i was journalizing what you had said and joe was saying and others were saying i was like man this is good stuff but joe uh pointed out romans eleven twenty nine. Romans eleven twenty nine. He read it in I believe the King James version and used a really good word. I'm gonna I'm gonna read it in NIV. But it says God's gifts and His call are irrevocable. God's gifts and what did you come? What did you say? Without recompense. In other words, God says I'm not feeling bad about giving you this call and this gift. I'm sorry. I I feel so good about giving this to you. I'm never gonna take it away that was kind of as joe was talking i was like you know it was just going over in my mind this is so rich this is so good and so god gives a purpose before you're born he says i'm never taking that away from you i'm going to give you gifts i'm never going to take predetermined sovereign choice of god it is what it is it's not going to change i don't care what you do or what you don't do you're it's yours it's yours forever You can bury it and not do anything with it, but I'm not taking it away from you. It's yours. Praise God. Um, I can't remember if I was supposed to say this here or somewhere else, but I'll go ahead and say it here. Tragic. I watched this video of this rapper probably about six months ago getting shot right in front. So rapper, I guess he'd invested in a cell phone a store of some sort there in LA. He was standing in front of his store, and some guy comes up, shoots him point blank, kills him. I think he got made at the hospital, but he ended up dying. Can I share with you my ugly human view of that? I thought, I'll be honest with you, I'll just tell you, good riddance. That's what it is. I was watching those thing, probably good riddance. This guy was no good. And the Holy Spirit just came on me and said, No that's one of the biggest losses I've ever suffered that guy had a purpose and he wasn't able to fulfill it the tragedy of a lost godly purpose this man had better things to do in his life and if he would have lived a little longer I might have been able to get through to him tragedy tragedy but God predetermines purpose and won't bring it back, and I'm not going to date myself by naming some of these singers, but there's two in particular <laughs> that if I were to name them, you'd probably, some of you know who they are. And sometimes, I don't listen to their music, but sometimes when I hear their music, I hear the soulfulness. As they're singing this wrong songs or the wrong lyrics, everything's wrong, but the soulfulness of purpose that's coming out of them and God wants to use those men. God he wants to use those women. He's given them talents. He's given them callings, purpose. And those callings are irrevocable. They're going to use them for the wrong reasons. But God says, I'm not taking away. Just, just unbelievable, incredible. But let's move on in verse 16 of Genesis 2, continuing on down through, through chapter 2. The Lord God commanded man... And he said, you are free. <laughs> I'm going to stop there. You are free. Meaning, I've given you sovereign choice to do something. I'm giving you sovereign choice. What a scary thought. <laughs> we, sometimes we say, I don't want the choice. God, you choose for me. And he says, no, no, I'm not going to do that. I want you to choose I want you to choose," he says. "You are free to eat from any tree in the garden. You, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, it uh, from when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Listen to this: God gave man the freedom of choice, but also expressed to man, this is a good choice, this is a bad choice, and if you make this bad choice, this is what's going to happen." What a good god i mean god is awesome he wants you to have the freedom of choice but he's very clear on the harmful aspects of bad choices and you know what god was doing he was telling adam i you can choose life or you can choose death i it's up to you the choice literally i mean why would you choose death when you can choose life that you're living in right now he said you can choose life and death implicit in this. And so in Deuteronomy 30, verses 15 and 20, we see this articulated by Moses to the children of Israel. Very, very clear. He said in, in Deuteronomy 13, starting verse 15, um, it says, see, I've set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. I've set it before you. You pick it. You pick it. For I command you today, love the Lord your God. That's what Moses said. I command you, God is saying, I command you to love the Lord your God. Now, I've had an epiphany epiphany of late. We don't know what love is. So we have to boil it down to words that we know what love really means. You know what God was saying at a lower level? Like God. Like him. Like the Lord your God. What do you like about God? <laughs> think about it. Are there things that you like about God? God's saying, like me even more. Like me. There's so much of me to be liked and enjoyed. Like me. And I want you to stop and think about that because you, you think we think love is a conscious decision. And it is. It is. Love is a conscious decision. But love is something that's natural. You can't make yourself love somebody. <laughs> You can't do it. So, so why do we try so hard? We have to first like them. And I've seen that about people. As I, There's somebody that rubs me wrong. Thank God none of you rub me wrong. Okay, I'm talking about somebody way out there in the far distance. Okay, But somebody rubs me wrong. You know what I've realized? If I'll just talk to them a little bit, I will find a connection and I'll start liking them. We should never, ever say there's someone I just can't like that person you can like anybody there's no such a thing as a personality conflict or a personality you know divide that can't be overcome let's let's read on it says to walk in obedience to him to keep his commandments decrees and laws then you will live and in increase and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you're entering to possess but here in verse 19 he says it again I have set before you life and death he has He said it before each and every individual that's ever lived. And when we reach the age of accountability, meaning that we're old enough to know good from bad, God from the Satan, you know, selfishness from goodness, we choose. We have the ability to choose. All right? And so he set that before them. God did not predetermine Adam's outcomes. He said, I've set before you life and death and so he de- delegated that aspect of sovereignty to Adam and Eve, and he's done that to, to us as well. Here's the scary, petrifying, horrifying aspect of this is that whatever decisions we make affects other people. And that's the thing that we just can't get our arms around because we think, my God, and I'm not using his name irrespect- I'm I'm being seriously, my God, that is such a level of responsibility. that The choices I make can literally send people to hell or get them into heaven. <laughs> I, I'm that, that is the most sobering thought in the world. That's why we're told, uh, you know, watch your life and your doctrine so that your hearers may be saved. <laughs> watch your life. Watch what you believe and teach and show by example so that others may be saved. Your very life will get people into heaven or will send them to a place where we don't want them to go. It's it's absolutely mind-boggling the level of responsibility that we have. So God goes on and does something absolutely incredible. And he places in the middle of the garden where he's placed this man two trees In the middle, visible, the stakes are eternally high and says, you can eat from this one, but you can't eat from that one. God's sovereignty decides that. And I'll tell you, God places key decisions in your life in the center of your life, and they vary amongst all of us. Attitudes that we adopt, addictions that we deny or or fall into, He places it right there in the middle of our life and says, don't do this and do do this. They're right there. High visibility, high stakes. And he says, what are you going to choose? He doesn't mince or he doesn't mess around and try to sugarcoat it and try to overly help you in these types of things. You need to make a decision. (laughs) You know, you got to make a decision and and sometimes we say oh i can't afford to to do this and we stay too close to the evil and the evil reaches out and grips us you know what we can't afford to not do that we got to get away from stuff we need to run from evil and not hang around close by where it can grip us let me tell you what if you ever hear a talking snake run away from it <laughs> anything that's right The enemy is talking to you. When are you going to start running away from the enemy? When are you going to make up your mind and say, I don't choose death anymore. I choose life. Praise God. So without without a doubt, don't ever think that your choice is just affecting you. For the mother who's about to abort their baby, it's not her body. There's two bodies involved. Don't do it. Run away from whatever it is. And let me tell you what, if you ever have had an abortion, God's grace is sufficient for you. I use examples because I need to use examples. Otherwise, people who have those choices in the future might make them without thinking. But if you've ever made a bad choice, which we all have, God's grace is sufficient for you. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Remember that. But the state of this world is not God's fault it's our fault. We've made the choices that has caused child abuse, pornography, you name it. Whatever's going on out there, it's our fault. It's not God's fault. I find it funny whenever you're reviewing insurance documents, that says acts of God. And what are the acts of God? Horrible things, hurricanes, earthquakes. Terrible horrible catastrophe. are those acts of God No, the acts of God are good <laughs> You know there there's certainly going to be the wrath of God poured out and that'll be a horrible act But you know what it's well deserved We need Jesus to come in and take the place and receive as he's already done receive the punishment that we deserve but let's move on Our choices have ruined the world But God's sovereignty can turn those things around. He can turn those things around, and that's why we're here today as a body of believers. We want to turn the effects of sin around in our world through God's sovereignty. God's sovereignty can turn things around. All right, man, I I told my wife, this is going to be a super short sermon. You're going to see we're going to be done really fast, and here I'm not even halfway through it. Verse 19, it says in, in Genesis 2, now the Lord had formed out of the ground all the wild animals, the birds of the sky. He brought them to man to see what he would name them. Whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the sky, and the wild animals. Let me tell you what. This, I, I want this to sink in. This is so rich. This is so wonderful. God's sovereignty gave Adam creative license. See, we fall into this thing of God, you know, I don't know if I want to be a Christian. I was talking to a a young 15-year-old runaway on the telephone this week. And she's just saying, I just don't know. I just don't know because it's so much fun to just be me. You don't realize when you connect, your faith connection to God gives you more fun, more creativity than you would ever have on your own. But that's the lie of the enemy. He comes in and says, no, you're, you're going to stop having fun. You're not going to be unique anymore. You're just going to be a, a righteous robot out there with everybody else. And God said, no, no, no. If you'll plug your faith into me, I will give you such genius creativity. You won't even know, know what to do. So here's God. He brought the animals. Here's Adam standing over. He brought, he brought a draft Before it was named, he says, Adam, what do you want to call this? hands off god god was just adam's muse but adam came up with a creative thought do you know how much fun it is to create it is the funnest thing in the world to be creative and some of us say i'm not an artist everybody is an artist at something everybody is artistic in some form or fashion i you know painting well yeah that's an artist well, yeah, there's artistic aspects to painting or music. How about interior design? Somebody like my daughter, she likes just designing the inside of a room and thinking of what. God gave her that creativity. She needs to go to town and just use it and be free to just create. All right. Carpenters. Carpenters are unbelievable uh, creators. Those who garden in there have a green thumb. They're artists. Believe it or not, accountants, and I'm an accountant, are artists as well. Let me tell you how. All right. So I'd created this budget for the church that I used to work for. Beautiful. It took me weeks, but I enjoyed the numbers and how they kind of came together and, and how you group this thing and group that thing, and then you can slice and dice the numbers. And I remember sitting back after a couple of weeks. I would spent 10 minutes here and 30 minutes there, and I sat back, and I just took a deep sigh, and I looked at it, and I said, that is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. I printed it out. I was looking at it, and it hit me. You're laughing, but it hit me. I was creating something. That was what I was good at. That's that's how, that's how God made me, and so even accountants can be artists, or if you like organizational structure, which I kind of like. Or there's these people out there, brainiacs that are deal makers. Like let's get this company and buy that company and put them together. Those people are artists, or people who write, or people who counsel and love to bring people together and reconciliation. They see that as an art form, or or building processes and procedures, or convincing or persuading people, salespeople. They're artists, or or public speakers, or making presentations, they're artists. Engineers are artists. Everybody is an artist in life at something. What are you an artist? How are you creative? And let God be your muse. And just go to town and make this world a better place to live in. Absolutely, it's not a waste of time. If you're a gardener and you love just planting, you don't think God takes pleasure in what you're doing. He takes pleasure in that. Whatever you do, just between you and God, He loves it. And some of us would say, well, it's not saving souls. There's no discipleship here. It's a waste of time. No, it is not. God called you to thrive and enjoy your life as a worship, as a praise to God. Was, was Adam saving anybody when he was in the garden? No, he's just being there with God for crying out loud. You do the same thing. Enjoy what God has made you to do. Now, here's three tips on, on how you can cre- be creative successfully. And this whole thing is just gripping me. Well, let me back up. Let me mention this. This is the coolest thing in the world. I read this this week. There's this teenager who has... Figured out how to take away blind spots in a car. You know the little part that comes down in the windshield. You see, you can't see anything there. Some cars are horrible back behind you. You can't. You look back and you can't see the cars. She has figured out. Maybe it was a he or she. I can't remember. Has figured out how to remove all the blind spots in any car. And I saw a picture of it. There was the, the the part of the frame of the car that came down, and here's the f- windshield, and here's the side. And you could see straight through it and see what was right there. Do you want to know what she did? She won $25,000 for this competition, a teenager in high school. She put a little webcam outside right where the blind spot is that can see everything that's on that blind spot, and put a tiny, with technology now all things are possible, put a little projector on the dash that projected up what's on the little camera and so it projects it right there there's some special material let me tell you what this girl just creates i mean she's going to save lives now you know this is just amazing god wants you to be creative and your creativity is not a waste of time it's a wonderful worship to the lord even if it can't be connected to directly discipleship and say god wants you to do these things but here's three three things that will help you be creatively successful and it's so cool God gave me these three things before I read this and now I'm just putting it together maybe this is my artistic thing is just piecing all the wonders of God together and then sharing them with you but here they are know that what you create is what is God's work assigned to you All right, so hear me out you're not doing your work you're doing God's work What you are creating is God's work assigned to you. And there doesn't have to be any super spiritual anything about it. It's just a wonder to do wonderful things for God because you're doing His work. That garden was God's work. And Adam was placed there to do God's work, not his own work. As soon as we start creating and it's our work, it dies it stinks it's putrid it doesn't amount to hilla beans but when we do god's work the creativity just flourishes and thrives number 2 here's the next thing you create for god an audience of one you're not creating for people you're not creating for yourself you're doing this as unto God and when you do it the creativity just thrives and grows and explodes and and then the last one is you create in God's strength now I've noticed I like to write I'll be honest it's one of the things I'm starting to get back into I need to write because it's God's just thing for me to do It's just to write and so I'm d- deciding what Two hours a week, I'm going to find time and I'm just going to write. I'm just going to write because I just, I flow, man. When I start writing, I know it's something God wants me to do. But I can't do it when I'm tired. i got to do it when I have some level of freshness. And so do it in God's strength. Create in God's strength. You do his work for him in his strength, your creativity is going to go through the ceiling. All right, just a couple more minutes and we'll be done here. Verse 18 of Genesis 2. So go back to creativity. God sovereignly gave you the opportunity to create. And if our poor kids are stuck, and we as adults, I'm shocked how many adults are addicted to video games. If you're stuck with entertainment, your creativity is, not, is just non existence Get away from entertainment and it's god's showing me this i'm i'm understanding this more and more get away from entertainment and let your entertainment be times of creativity it's just it's just so neat the the entertain over entertainment just diminishes and crushes your creativity we can't afford it. Entertainment's not bad i'm just saying over entertainment is is really an unfortunate thing because God wants you to thrive. And so as I'm, I've found this, this is a neat little tip for me. As I'm tired in the evenings, what I do is I take what I've written and I just start just reading it and just digesting what I've created. And I'm self-entertained. I don't know if that makes sense. I, I think in this day and age, we need to hear that really really need to hear that but anyways verse 18 the lord god said it is not good for man to be alone god sovereignly said this adam didn't come to him no he said it's not good for you to be alone before anything happened he said it's not good for you to be alone i will make a helper suitable for him but at for adam there's no suitable helper found in verse 20 so the lord God caused the man to fall into deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took a man's rib out and closed up the place with flesh. And the Lord made a woman from the rib that he had made out of the man. And he brought her to the man. The man said, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman, for she was taken out of man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united with his wife. And they become one flesh. And so God said, period, it's not good for man to be alone. This is my sovereign choice. I'm not going to keep this guy isolated for the rest of his life. I'm going to create a help, uh, a helpmate for him, a soulmate for him, and I'm going to bring in and fulfill this emptiness that he has. So a couple of observations about this. First of all, God created a full-grown female spouse for this man. All right? There's implications to this. Um he didn't create another male for Adam. He created a female. Amen. All right, so it's very, very important. One of these days, I'm going to be in a courtroom because I said something like this. I've already come to grips with that. I'm all right with it. I've got gay friends. We talk openly about stuff. I, I, I'm not a homophobe at all, but I believe what, what God had intended is a man must marry a woman and a woman a man, and this whole gender gender crisis i've got transgender friends as well i work with them we're friends i'm nice to them they're nice to me um i promoted a gay man in our organization so i am not a homophobe at all but i want to, and i don't discriminate i've proven that through my own track record at work but i'll tell you it's not what the bible wants not what god intends and we're to to come to grips with that in our culture all right so uh full-grown female not a male not a child not a child all right we have a host of issues in our society with children who are sexually abused God did not bring Adam a little girl or a little boy brought him a full-grown female there's religions out there whose founders married and consummated the act of marriage at age somewhere between six and ten Islam no 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 totally inappropriate and that should lead us to understand that the Islamic religion is, is not truthful it's not, it's not, where, it's not what we're going to follow and I'll be the first to say it again I might get into, into all kinds of trouble with this but I'm alright with that um, number two God did not give Adam several options he said here is your the sovereignly designed woman just for you just for you God uniquely created uh, Eve just for Adam and Adam just for Eve, and they were the happiest couple in the whole wide world. God has one person. I tell this to my kids before they get married. If you've been divorced several times or had several mates, look, the past is the past. Let's just move forward with this, all right? This is not a con- condemning conversation. This is where we at today and where we're going forward in the future, all right? So But I tell my kids this because they haven't been married. We have the opportunity to try to get it right the first go around. God has already created their spouse. That person's already alive and well, and we're praying for all four spouses. We can do that, right? Pray. Pray for those people, even though we don't know them. Maybe we do know them. Who knows? But um, uh, he didn't give Adam several options. He gave him one option. I believe that with all my heart. There's one person out there just for you just for you. And you wait for that person. But number three, um, Adam was not given multiple partners to sleep around with, <laughs> just to put it bluntly. He, he gave one person to, to, to Adam, and that was his person for life. Who God has put together, let no man separate all right, and so um, he, he, Adam was to be faithful to his wife and his wife faithful to him and we're to be faithful to one another. Faithful, not just in marriage, but in every aspect. Just be a faithful person, amen? So just like God's sovereign purpose and giftings for our life, God has chosen the best and highest and most wonderful partner for us and we should just wait for that person. My mom has a wonderful story of the Spanish girl uh, you know, she was a pretty. She's really, Julita, right? She's really a beautiful girl. Guys tried to date her in the youth group. This was back in the '60s, and God brought this guy all the way from Cuba, medical student, and he was the one for her. See, God isn't worried about whether that person's halfway across the world. He can bring people together in amazing ways, and we just need to wait and be be trusting of the Lord. God's sovereignty has these things picked out for us. These things picked out for us. So it's interesting. Sometimes it seems like God's sovereignty is really broad. Creativity. Go create You know, what you think is best. Just be connected to me, but open. You, you can choose life and death. That's pretty broad. <laughs> you get to pick that. But there's some things about God's sovereignty that are very narrow. Very narrow. As we get closer to God, the path truly gets narrower and narrower and narrower. And I'm fine with that because I just I don't have enough time to do the things that I think are right I just have time enough for what God has intended for me. Let's end with this verse 25 in Genesis 2 All of these things in my journal. I was just richly. Oh, so good blessing blessing me and then things from Wednesday night coming together and adding to it but here Adam and Eve or Adam and his wife were both naked they felt no shame now You know, the first thing is the images of, you know, naked people running around. (laughs) That's not the point of the scripture. The point of the scripture is they felt no shame. And I'm not going to expound on this very much, but our fears are always based in some level, or most always based in some level of shame. We're scared to be shamed. We're not scared to run out of money. We're scared of the shame that comes with not having enough money. We're not scared too much of being sick. We're, we're scared of the shame of handicap, of sickness. Or it's shame is always down there somewhere. And my point is this. When we come under God's sovereignty and say, you are sovereign God, you have no more room for shame. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Nothing will ever shame you because God is sovereign over you. Amen? Let's pray.